Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. And so in asking God what to share this morning, like the best, man, you guys are just going to have to hear this stuff through tears. Like, I'm sorry. Um, it is the best testimony that I have. It is, it is my family. It is what God has done in and through me and Gigi for 20 years now. Um, our 20 year anniversary was on the day that the hurricane hit and it was just it was just funny because i'm like Gigi knows you know i build things up a lot in my head especially special days birthdays things like that like i build them i've been trying as i've gotten older to not be such a child about my birthday and things that i build up so big that there's no way we can meet the expectation and uh and i did that it was our 20 year anniversary though so i felt like i had the right I felt like I had the right to build this thing up. Um, you know, we got married when we were 18 and 19, and uh, you know, the hurricane came in. And at the end of the day, I was like, God, like, even though it's still hard for me a little bit, I'm like, what better place to be than with my wife, with my daughters, and in the comfort of our home, and just being together. I'm like, this is what God has brought me to at this time and and 20 years ago see i growing up i grew up extremely uh just an angry child i was an angry child i i remember times of beating my my bed with with baseball bats like and and but never even having a reason why anger would just all of a sudden consume me and, and I didn't know how to let it out. I would literally, I would feel it in my shoulders. Like I would feel this tense thing start coming over me. And I was like, I have to get this out of my body. And unfortunately for some people that stepped into my path when I was in school, this was early on in from third grade, uh, you know, I was, I was a big kid. Uh, I was usually one of the bigger kids in the school, or definitely in my age range. And, and it did. When you're bigger and you're insecure and you don't know what to do, you don't even know why you're angry, you just take it out on the smaller people around you. And, and that's what I did. And I ended up taking it out on teachers. I would take it out on classmates. I would take it out on friends. Um, and it was physical and verbal. And, and I, I say all this because I want to paint a picture of, to you guys of where God brought me from. And see, growing up too, I had this thing in my head of like, I don't, I don't have a testimony. I remember in eighth grade, somebody had come to our church and they were talking about, you know, sharing your testimony. And I was, and I was like, my uncle had told me horror stories of things that he used to do on drugs and stabbing people and, and I mean craziness and drug deals. 
my mom, before she got saved, her and my biological father, my uncle, like spent my second birthday in jail for getting busted for selling drugs to a cop. Like all these crazy, crazy things that they like, just how we even got to Michigan, like all these crazy stories. And now they've all found Jesus. And so when people ask them, like, what's your story? Like, they get to tell them, like, there was, I mean, times with, I mean, very little, I can remember just cocaine just being on the table in front of me and like all these crazy things. But I'm like, I don't have, as I grew up, I'm like, I'm mean, I'm a bully. Like, I don't have it. I don't have this crazy, like God came and you know, my uncle, so he literally saw angels come into a bar and grab him and pull him out. And just all these incredible things. I'm like, God, should I do something so I can get a testimony? Should I, should I start drinking? Should I start doing drugs? Should I join a gang? Like, these are legit thoughts that I had in my head because I'm like, I, as dumb as it sounds, like, I wanted to have a testimony that changed people's lives, that when they heard it, they were like, that's incredible. And it took me years. You guys, I don't really know where this is going. I'm just, God told me to start. So like Michael Scott, man, I'm just going to start this sentence and we'll figure out where it goes afterwards. It took me years to see the value in my story. It took years for me to see the value in what God brought me through and that there is people that they don't need. They're not looking for this huge, crazy, you've been in prison, you've done all that. And if, if that is part of your, your story, you know what? And God brought you through that, yes, use it, go for that. But if you don't have that crazy story, like to me growing up in West Michigan, being like one of like three, Latino Mexican kids like in West Michigan, an entire white school. My mom married a white guy, had three brothers and sisters that were white. Like it, there wasn't much going on there. Like to us, what was bad in hindsight really wasn't that bad. It really wasn't, you know. God had to show me how important I was. He had to show me how important the things I got through. He's like, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use you. And what I ended up finding out years later is what he was actually protecting me for. Because as I left, I recently had, I went back to Michigan because one of the things I love to do so much, and Gigi knows, like, I love to reminisce. I love to think about when you grew up, you know, things that we did, I still play with some of my toys from when I was in third grade. Like, I, like, I do. I just bought some Ninja Turtle socks yesterday. Uh, I should have worn them today. Like, I love to remember the good old times. And so I went on a trip to Michigan, and, and I got some of my friends. Like, these are guys that I've been with since third grade. And I still know him. I still talk to him today. And in the midst of the stories that we're telling, I'm like, I don't remember that story. And they start saying things. And I mean, 
some crazy, crazy stuff that they got into. And I'm like, where was I at? And they're like, Brego, you were there. You were there. I remember you. I'm like, that, I wasn't a part of that. And they're like, no, I'm pretty sure you were there. And then we'd get to the next story and just, I mean, them ending up in jail or running from the cops or doing like crazy things. I saw in there like, do you remember that? And I was like, I don't, I wasn't, I don't think I was a part of that. And I mean, these were my best friends. These are the guys that we spent, I mean, every minute, every weekend, I, was, I lived at their houses. And I'm like, I wasn't a part of that. I was like, where? I said, were we not friends at this time? Did we not talk? Did, did we have a fallout? And I'm like, no. And then I do remember, I, start, I started thinking back to a lot of these times and time frames and age gaps of where they were getting in trouble, where they were starting to do drugs, when they were starting to, you know, drink alcohol, like do all these things. And as I started thinking back and God told me, he was like, he's like, I protected you from that because I knew how bad you would have been if you put your foot in that situation. And I started thinking about like, well, what is I doing? He was like, I kept you in church. I was a part of the worship team since third grade. And my participation in the worship team, and if anybody wants to do this, you have to talk to Gigi first. But my mom bought me a set of bongos, just little bongos, and sat me in the front row. And she was like, here, play along with them. Now, granted, it was a much bigger church, and you couldn't really hear the bongos there. <laughs> so don't get any ideas. I pray in a bigger building. Um, but that started slowly. I started meeting the drummers, and I started meeting the youth pastors, and I ended up being the drummer in the youth group when I was 10 years old because the drummer went on a mission trip to Africa and never came back. And they were like, hey, I was having fun in Royal Rangers, like just chilling with my friends. And all of a sudden they're like, we need a drummer. You took a couple lessons from the, he was the drum teacher. He's like, you took a couple lessons from him. Like, come over here. And I tell you, like, there was multiple times that I wanted to cry after getting off those drum sets. I was so bad. And, but it kept me in church. God kept pulling me back in. My mom kept positioning me in places that the church had a grip on me. When I was 15, there was a, a whole college gospel choir. And now you would think as a gospel choir playing, you know, Kirk Franklin, Fred Hammond, like all this stuff, I would have expected a little more color in this gospel choir. There. It was 150 white kids singing this stuff. And I was 15 years old, and I had never even heard of Kurt Franklin. I never heard of Fred Hammond. The drummer, unfortunately, had a bad case of, of Tourette's and had to go to California to get some treatment and also never came back. He, he never came back to the college. And so I sat in for a couple weeks of practice with them, and they're like, hey, you're our new drummer. And they said, next week we're going to go over this Fred Hammond, this, this, and this. I'm like, I've never heard of these people before. 
And they made me a CD and I, I sat and for five years I ended up playing with the gospel choir and that ended up becoming really the root of my musical uh, influence was gospel music. And I started thinking through all these stories that my friends are telling me and all that age gap, even though I still was hanging out with them, I kept having to go to practice. I kept gigging out with people from the church. My uncle was taking me and we were playing in these Christian festivals and doing all these things. And I'm like, God, that actually is my testimony. Is that God cared about me so much and through, I believe, my mom's love of you know, trying to just put me in an atmosphere where people would hold on and grab onto me and make me feel, give me ownership of things. That if it wasn't for that, I, I can almost guarantee I was the one in our group of friends. And when I was there, bad wasn't good enough for me. I was like, no, we got to take this a step farther. Like we, we have to, everything that we did, I was like, how can we make this a little bit more fun, which usually meant more vandalism, more something like it just, I was that guy that I didn't know when to stop. And there wasn't usually anybody big enough to stop me. And I really believe that God said, no, this is going to be your story. Like you get to tell what the goodness of God has done for you and has protected you in your life. And today like I came in to preach, to, to share with you guys as, as Romans in Romans 8, um, where God says that, you know, we are more than conquerors. And, and it says in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Funny enough, the youth group that I was in was called MTC. The youth group that I grew up in was more than conquerors. And going into this, like God kept, telling me, and this is nothing of what I shared in the first gathering. So this is just for you guys. But he did say, so what is, how can you be more than a conqueror? Once you've conquered something, what's the more? And I've been looking for the more my whole life. I still even sometimes struggle with, like, Gigi was saying, honestly, these are all blurring together, both gatherings, so I don't know which one it was in, but uh, just being good enough, being validated, feeling like you're accepted, like all these things, like I've always been looking for that more. Even in my testimony, I wanted to be bad enough in my testimony that it would affect people. Because even in that, I was like, I want it to be, I want it to mean something. I want it to mean something for somebody. And God says, you're more than a conqueror. And so I'm like, how do we become more? And God told me, he was like, you're already a conqueror because of what I am in you. You actually don't get to choose that part of it. He conquered death. Jesus, Jesus in you conquered death, took on the sin of the world, called you clean. That's the conqueror that's in you.
That is your testimony. That is the thing that you get to lean on and say, you know, you don't have to worry about. This isn't anything you have to do to be a conqueror, but to be more than a conqueror. Because it actually says, in this, you are more than a conqueror. The thing that it says you're in, and I'm just going to encourage you guys to go and read it, because I'm going to paraphrase, but it says through test, trials, tribulation, through death, through famine, through all these things, so that we are led like lambs to a slaughter. In this, you are more than a conqueror. Because the conqueror part was never a question. If you are in Christ, and I would encourage you, go and read the first 30 verses of, of Romans 8. And I mean, it will solidify, you will understand who you are in Christ. That's not the question. You being a conqueror is not the question. The conqueror is in you. It is in the things, in all the things in life that we now have to say, I am more than a conqueror because it says all those things are trying to separate you from the love of God. I can now go back and see in my testimony, see in all these times, the opportunities that the enemy was trying to take to separate me from the love of God at an early, early age. But even though I didn't necessarily believe it, my mom was putting me in positions where everybody was telling me how much God loved me, where I got to see it over and over and over again. You guys, like I said, I don't know exactly where this is going, but just pull what is good for you. This is, to me, why the church is so important. This is why it's so important for you to get your families to church. Moms and dads, this is why it's so important for you to See, there's a, a thing, and you know what? You might not agree with this, and that's okay. Because honor is not agreement. I'm not going to try and hurt anybody's feelings right now, but I am glad that my mom made me go to church. I am standing here and not in jail or not with a bunch of babies running around because my mom made me go to church, made me go to youth whether I wanted to or not. She made me be a part of all the extra things. She had me stay after and help clean. She put me in positions, and when I started acting up even outside of that, then she just made me go more. It is so important for us because it's all about the battle of the mind. You're already a conqueror. To be more than a conqueror, you have to believe in your heart. You have to believe in your mind that none of that is going to separate you from the love of God. The world, everything outside of the kingdom is constantly trying to separate us from the love of God. It is constantly trying to tell us this is who, who we are and that what we are is separate from God. Everything, I can think back to so many times when I look now and I'm like, if I would have went down that path, I don't know that I'd be here because it would have validated something completely different in me. Our validation has to come in the, in all things. In this, you are more than a conqueror. In this test, in this trial, in this, in all things, we have to know that we are loved, that we are not, there's nothing that can separate us from the love. The only thing that can separate us from the love of God is in between your ears. That lump of meat in your head is the only thing that's going to separate you from the love of God. He's already said none of these things in this world 
It says no angels, nor demons, no rulers, no nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why does so much of the world feel unloved and why do so many of us try to find love and validation in other places? Because we don't know yet. We don't know. We don't fully believe that God loves us. That we are actually more than conquerors. So as one encouragement <laughs> through all this rabbit trail, it is, you guys, we got to fall back in love with coming to church. We need to make this the norm. And it's, it's such a... People have been so hurt by the church. They've been so hurt by control. And I, I get that, but that doesn't mean we don't stop trying. It doesn't mean that, that this is wrong. It doesn't mean that coming together with other believers on a weekly basis, what better place to be? We should live out of the overflow of what is happening here. This should be something where we get to come and, you guys, I can't change your life in 25 minutes. I can't hit every hurting place in your heart in 25 minutes. I'm not supposed to, but I'm supposed to stir a hunger in you that, that makes you want to go after God. That makes you want to position yourself for more opportunities to get things poured into you. There is no shortage of opportunities here at the resting place. There's no shortage of opportunity to serve. There's no shortage of opportunity to be in his presence between first Friday, Thursday prayer. And if we don't got something going on, then a church that we know and love does. I get it. Family time is valuable. All I can say is from my own testimony that if my mom didn't put such a high value in me being at church. I wouldn't even have the opportunity for this family time. I wouldn't be with her. I wouldn't have had my daughter. I know the path that I was going down without church without strong leaders around me. Yeah, the church has lost its love for gathering. They've lost the value for coming together. It's become a burden. And it's not easy. I'm here every Sunday at 7.30. I'm here most times in the evenings for stuff. I've ran the youth for three years. I've been in ministry since I was 10 years old. I'm tired, but I refuse to stop because this is part of my testimony. This is me saying, I am going to keep these doors open. I'm going to keep ministry going, whether it's at the resting place or not. I don't care where I am, what I'm doing. It's in my DNA that I will create opportunities for people to come and gather and be in the presence of God but we have to fall in love with it. You guys, it's tiring. It's tiring to keep doing that for people who don't see the value in it. And I, I, I don't fully understand it myself. And trust me, I love family time. 
I love being with my girls. I love just relaxing. I love golfing, which is time consuming and expensive and frustrating. <laughs> but nah, coming to church does not get you to heaven, but it positions you to bring heaven to earth. I believe that it positions you to receive so much that you get to overflow heaven into everywhere that you go. Because now so many of my friends can say they have stories of when I brought them to church, when my mom made us there. You want to spend the night at my house? You're coming to church. Okay. So I would try to get out of it. I'm like, bro, please, let's stay at your house. Please, let's stay at your house tonight. And like, you're coming over? All right, well, you better get some dress pants then. Because we're going to church tomorrow. And I know that those were scenes. I've seen all my friends accept Jesus. Whether they're walking it out or not right now, you know what? They've accepted him. They've seen, they've tasted. And I still believe for every single one of them. That wouldn't have happened if my mom did not have a high value of what we call being having a religious mindset right now i'm like you know what she loved jesus and she loved her family and she wanted me to see what she saw in the church she wanted me to have the opportunities that she didn't have when she had drugs on the table and almost died and all these things she was like you know what let's not let that be your story that's not even close to my kids story i'm glad that they don't have those things to talk about that what I went through seems extreme to them. And you know what? And I hope that that keeps happening for every generation that comes, that it is just so much the norm saying, no, we're at church, we're together, we're with our family, and then we get to overflow that into everywhere that we go. So you guys, stand up with me. I'm going to say this, even though I know you're going to be like, no, don't say it, but I just... <laughs> I do. There's still, I'm, I'm going to be transparent and vulnerable with you. This is re, these are very hard for me. I feel bad that like you expect something more on Sundays, but guys, I just, all I know how to do is what God is telling me to do. All I know how to do, me and Gigi, that's, it, we've never, one of my mentors, I met with him this week and he said, he goes, I said, fruit is God's business. Faithfulness is ours. So you just be faithful and let God worry about the fruit. And I was like, oh my God. It, I felt like a thousand pounds come off my shoulders. And it brought, it brought great language to how I've lived my life, how we've lived our lives for the 20 years we've been together. Because there's been so many decisions that just looked dumb. They're like, why would you do that? I've had people tell me that. Like, nope, that's never going to work. I'm like, God said it. So I'm going to do it. There may be more that I learn in the failure of what's about to happen than what I would have learned in the success on my own steam. You worry about the faithfulness. He's going to worry about the fruit. I'm going to pray, and then I am going to have Britt and Mia come up. Uh, why don't you guys just come up right now? Father God, I thank you so much for, for having your way in this gathering today. I thank you for freedom at the resting place. I thank you, God, that every single testimony here is valuable. 
is valid, Father God, that everything that what, what people are going through here, that their testimonies will speak volumes to the world out there. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for helping us as a church. I don't know how, but I just know, God, that you're going to help us fall in love with gathering again. Gathering in the church, gathering in homes, gathering around your presence. For whatever, whatever we have done, Father, as a body to not steward and not make your presence appealing enough for people to want to come, forgive us, God. Thank you for showing us how to make your love and your presence appealing again, how to make it tangible, how to make it the best part of our week. Thank you, Papa. Thank you for every single person here and online. God, I thank you for this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.